Well, as you're seated, today is uh, Teacher Appreciation Day for our education system. And so if you're here and you teach a small group, I'd like for you to stand up and remain standing, please, because we want to appreciate you. All right, remain standing because I'm going to pray for you, all right? Father, we want to thank you for these who stand. Lord, week in and week out, Lord, they study. And then they come on Sunday, Father, and teach their class the truths of the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for their faithfulness. And Lord, I pray under their teaching, our people would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask you, Father, to protect them and to bless them and to let them know how much they are appreciated not only by us, but by your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Well, I already preached this message once, but uh, I'm going to preach it again. hope I can preach it the same way. Nothing is ever guaranteed, as you know. But I want to kind of tell you a little story about a family. Uh, I, I heard about it this, this past week, uh, about this uh, lady prepared a really wonderful meal for her family. And the menu was very simple. It was just fish and cauliflower. And so the family came, and they were eating, and her little son got a bone in his mouth from the fish. And he pulled it out and said, what should I do with this, Mama? And she said, put it where you won't eat it. And so he put it in the cauliflower. <laughs> now, the reason I said that, I hope this message you'll take to heart, and you just won't let it to, to, and set it aside. Twenty-something years ago, over in Legacy Hall, I came in 1996, and I preached a message in view of a call, and it was entitled, A Passion for Souls. And this last couple of weeks as I prepared this message, God kind of laid it on my heart that I got things out of order. The message I'm going to preach today, which is entitled, I Am Saved, So What's New, should have been preached 20 years ago, and the message, A Passion for Souls, should have been preached this morning. Because basically in that uh, message, and I'm not going to preach it again, so you're not going to get two for one today. But uh, basically I, I had three points. If we're going to reach our world for Christ, we've got to have a single passion. In other words, we've got to be focused. Uh, we've got to be like a laser. We have to have a heart passion. We've got we to care about people. We've got to care where they spend eternity. And then finally, we have to have a life passion. It's not something we do sometimes or occasionally. It's something that we do consistently. Day in and day out, week in and week out, year in, year out, we're out there searching for souls. But the message I'm going to preach this morning is what's new in your life since you received Christ. And it dawned on me as I was preparing this message that until you know who you are in Christ, until you know what your mission is in Christ, you'll never have a passion for souls. So I got them out of order, but I hope that you will uh, uh, hear me very prayerfully, and I pray that God will make an impact on your life this morning. That is my desire. I've been praying for you all for, for weeks since I knew I was going to preach. But turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And uh, that verse is a very familiar verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, things, all things become new. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God we're making an appeal to us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
And he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, this morning, the very first thing that God tells us is that we're a new creature. We're a new creation. Now, I don't know about you all, but I like to have do-overs. Now, when I play golf, we call that mulligans. Because, unfortunately, a mulligan in golf, you only take it off the tee, and you only usually get one. Uh, I like to have a lot of mulligans. You know, I need a lot of mulligans. Uh, this past week, for the first time in six months after my surgery, I had the privilege of playing uh, some golf. Now, for those of you not interested in golf, this is not going to make any sense to you, but I was playing pretty good since I've had a six-month layoff until I got to this one hole, number seven. I'm laying there in three, an easy chip, possibly I get a par, I get a bogey. I hit it thin and knocked it over the green. I never hit a ball short. I never hit it long, I mean. And so it went over the green. So I went back there. I thought, well, no big deal. I'll just go ahead and I'll, I'll chip it back on and get a bogey, which is like a bird for me, birdie for me, or a double bogey, which is like a par for me. So I, w I was still happy. And I got back there and I looked for that ball and I looked for that ball and I looked for that ball. I couldn't find the ball. And then I noticed there was some water down there and there was a steep hill and it dawned on me that ball went in the water. Well, you know, so I'll just drop me a ball, take my stroke, and hit it back on the green. You know, sometimes I have do-overs. I have the same bad shot twice. So then I hit it on the other side. To make a long story short, I took a 10. <laughs> I would have liked to had a mulligan. I would have liked to had a do-over. But you know, Christ and the Word of God tells us that when we're in Christ, we, we, are new, we are a new creation. You know, in 1966, November 13th, God took a young man whose life was in the pits, whose wife was very unhappy on the verge of leaving. And in desperation, this young man went and sat on the back row of a church. Didn't want to be there. But he was there. And that morning he heard a message entitled The Difference Between Religion and Relationship. And that morning he realized he had religion. And if you'd asked him when he was going into church, are oh, you a Christian? He said, absolutely. I've been baptized. I believe in Jesus. But he realized that morning he had religion. He didn't have a relationship. And that morning on November 13, 1966, God gave him a do-over. Because that morning, he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and the rest is history. That young man was me. But you know what I like about being, there's a lot of things I like about being a child of God, but one thing I like, this morning when I woke up, guess what? I got a do-over. What I did yesterday you know, speed limit's 25. I don't think my car goes 25. <laughs> I try to get it to go 25, but it just doesn't go. And so uh, I broke the law. Now, the Bible says we all confess our sins one to another. So sometime in this service, I'm going to have you turn to each other and confess one sin to one another. Just teasing. <laughs> Some of y'all just got plum white on that, I guarantee you. <laughs> We still sin. But you know what? Today, 
I got a do-over. Every day is a gift from God. I can't do anything about what I did yesterday, and I can't do anything about tomorrow because I may not even be here tomorrow. None of us might not be here tomorrow. I got a call yesterday, one of our members who just dropped, and she's in the hospital today and is going to have a uh, uh, heart cath tomorrow, something wrong with her heart. She was going about her duties, and boom. You just don't know. So today's the only day you have, but you have a do-over. What you do with this day is going to determine what your priorities are. So God says that we are a new person. And if God says it, that settles it. Doesn't make any difference if I believe it or not. And see, the problem is so many of us don't understand that we're a new creation every single day. We have a new day in the Lord, and we can fill that day with things that would honor the Lord, or we can fill that day with things that will dishonor the Lord. You know, I told you that uh, my life was in the pits. And the reason my life was in the pits is because when I was six years old, my mama put me in a taxi cab. And she took me to an orphanage. Now they call them children's home. And she dropped me off on the steps and drove off and left me. And that caused all kinds of problems in my life until I got to and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because, see, I couldn't do any forgiving, and I had all this anger, and it caused me a lot of difficulty. And, you know, the funny thing, I always looked at it from my perspective. <laughs> oh, I got dropped off at that office. You know, I never looked at it from my mom's perspective. As I was crying on that front step, she was bawling her eyes out in that taxi cab. And she was made the best decision for me because she could not feed me. She could not take care of me. My dad died in World War II at Bataan. I wasn't even a year old yet. She married again. Her second husband, at the age of 29, 30, died of leukemia. Here she is, 20 years old. 22, she got married when she was 16, 22 years old, 21 years old. Couldn't feed us. She did what she could do for us. But we don't understand that. But God gave me a do-over, and God will give you a do-over, because if any man in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, but what else becomes new? Well, that's what I want to tell you this morning, because not only are you a new person, you have a new priority, because the Bible says God reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, when you study that verse, if you look at it, he says that God reconciled us through Christ. You know, I have a, I have a group of very faithful people a very small group, and we, we still go out every Monday night, and we go and we talk to people, and, you know, in the last four weeks, we've led three people to Jesus Christ, and that's not unusual. Yeah, that's exciting. Just a, just, and I tell them, you're the remnant. God has always had his remnant. But as I was studying this message, as I read this passage, it says, God reconciled us to himself through Christ. And all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible and God gives me a new wrinkle, a new understanding, boom, it's exciting. And all of a sudden, I understood what he's saying here. He reconciled us through Christ so that we could have the ministry of reconciliation, which simply means we're the remnant. Now stop and think. God's people are the remnant. There's millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people living on this earth right now who don't know Christ. And when you look at the percentage of the world's population that knows Christ, we're very small. We're the remnant. 
And God has saved us so that we can have the ministry reconciliation so others might be saved. Folks, we're the tip of the javelin. We are God's army. We are God's priests to make intercession between him and the lost in this world. And so we should have a new priority. We should understand that God has given us a ministry. And it's all God's doing. You know, I don't know if any of you all read Dr. Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. But in that book he says, it's not about you. It's about God. And he says, you were made by God for God. And until you understand that, that, life will never make sense, nor will you ever be accomplish God's plan for your life. See, we think it's all about us. No, it's all about God. It's back when, and Jesus understood this. You remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Lord, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, but it's not my will, it's your will. And he prayed that three times. And in obedience to God, he went to the cross and shed his blood. It's not about us. It's about God. So your new priority is to, be, to, be, to fulfill the ministry God has given each of us. The ministry of reconciliation. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. This morning, if I understand that verse and the meaning of that verse, then it tells me that if, I'm not, if I am not a fisher of men, I'm not following Jesus. It's simple as that. I'm being disobedient in that area. So if you're not, if you're not fishing for men, if you're not seeking to find and see people so they be saved, then you're out of the will of God. Now, the thing that, that, that troubles me, I've been a Christian for 53 years. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a lot older than I look. I've learned how to handle wrinkles. I stretch it with fat from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes me look a lot younger. But when I first became a Christian years ago and I took my first spiritual gift test, because I want to know what my spiritual gift was. Guess what? On that test and on tests through the years, there was a the gift of the evangelist. Not the gift of, the eva of evangelism, but somehow as things happened, things changed. And all of a sudden now everybody's talking about the gift of evangelism. Brother Herb's got the gift of evangelism. No. No. There is no gift of evangelism. And so people use that as an excuse not to be obedient to the ministry God's given them. They say, well, I don't have the gift. Folks, God, through Christ, when Christ left to go and said to the right hand of the Father, here's what he said. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the dear Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He didn't say, <clears throat> Now, if, if you all have this Bible and you're translating this Bible, please show it to me because I've never found it and I've got tons of Bibles. He didn't say, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, if you have the gift of evangelism, you will be my witnesses. No, he, he didn't say that. And he said, hopefully you'll be my witnesses. Maybe you'll be my witnesses. You might be my witnesses. No, he said, you shall be my witnesses. And so... We have a new priority, and our priority is to build the kingdom of God that as we go, we share our faith in Christ. So that should give us a new passion. You know, we're, we're a new person, we have new priority, we have a new passion. As a Christian, the things of the world should decrease. Folks, 
We're not of this world. We're of God. And this world is not our home. And so I'm going to, I got a secret, and I tell you what, I, there's nobody in this church, there's nobody in this church over the last 20 years has accumulated more things than I have. I'm going to tell you, I am the king. If you don't believe it, you should have been around me. I have given golf clubs away. I've given golf bags away. I've sold some. I've got two, I got three storage units. I got a garage that's not a garage. It's another storage unit. Because when I was in the orphanage, and what I didn't tell you, when I came out of the orphanage, my mother's third husband, she was widowed four times. My, th my husband's third husband uh, worked for the CB&Q Railroad, and I lived in a boxcar. Folks, in a boxcar, you can't have a lot of stuff. And so I didn't have anything. So I became an overachiever, and I accumulated. I've got a problem. I want you to pray for Dorothy and I. As you all know, we, we're leaving, and we're going, and we bought a home in Sebring. And I gave a bunch of stuff away. We gave bedroom suits away. We sold bedroom suits. We, I mean, I'm just going on and on. And, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and when the movers came to my house, they took one look, and they said, this is a 21-hour move. And that's after I gave all this stuff away and sold all this stuff. We, <laughs> I shouldn't tell this on myself, but, you know, you're going to remember me for something. <laughs> My wife and I had a garage sale. My wife is ecstatic. She is so excited. She thought we did so well. I kid you not. I mean, that's how much stuff I had. We made $3,000. <laughs> now, let me tell you how she looks at that. We did really good. Good. Let me tell you how I look at it. We sold $40,000 worth of stuff for $3,000. <laughs> and we're moving from this house that I bought so my, I could bring my mother down and bring my wife's mother down, which she finally came, but my mother wouldn't come. So we had this huge house. So we gave all this stuff away. We sold a bunch of stuff. We, I mean, and I thought, Lord, we, we've really done good. They had to call for another truck. I had two, two, I mean, these are not little bitty trucks. Eight guys. And it dawned on me. I told Dorothy, we're in trouble, honey. We got a two-bedroom house. What we're going to do now is spend all this money to, to, to take all my, what you call junk, which I call treasures. And so I'm, I'm going through, God is doing a work in my heart, because when we get down, we're going to have to throw two or three things there. We've got to throw thousands of items away, so if any of y'all in Sebring next week, stop by. No telling what you might walk off with for free. But I said that not just to be funny, but we do get attached to the things of this world. And we shouldn't do that. And God's really convicted me finally after 53 years of Christianity. I'm from Missouri, folks. It takes me a little while to get it through my thick skull. But <laughs> as Christians, the world should not be important to us. What, we want to, what should be important to us is seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I know that's true of this church because in the last 20 years, I've, with the staff and under the leadership of Dr. Mercer, I've had the privilege of overseeing a lot of evangelistic events. We've seen thousands, I kid you not, we've seen thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ. We've baptized over 40, I think it's approaching 4,500 now. 
That's a lot, of folks, a lot of folks to be baptized, especially in America. In India, you find out a little bit, that's not a whole lot, but in America, that's a lot of folks. And always, every time we did these events, the first thing, people just inundated me. How many people were saved, Brother Herb? How many people were saved? So I know you all have a passion to see people saved. And a lot of things we do, it's just so people can be saved. We want to do that. So I know, you I know you have a heart where you want to see people saved. And we want to have people have the same joy we have, the same forgiveness of sin we have, and the same destination we have, which is heaven. We're on our way to heaven. But because Christ reconciled us to God through his sacrifice on the cross, we should have a passion to see others reconciled to God by telling them about Jesus. Folks, we, we need to have a passion. We need, to we, we need to recognize we're a new person. We have a new priority. And that priority should grow into a passion where you want to see people saved. And you know, because Jesus loved us, we can risk loving others. So that brings us that from that passion, we need to be pleading with people. That's what the Bible says. It says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God we're making an appeal through us. God's making the appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we have a new pleading. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making an appeal through us. We are to beg people. We are to plead with people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, I'm going to tell you a secret this morning that's really not a secret. People are not going to come to Christ unless we tell them about Christ. They're not going to come to Christ. They're not going to be saved. We are God's lips. We are God's voice. We are God's mouthpiece. In Romans 10, 13, it says, Whosoever will call the name of the Lord will be saved. Folks, almost every Christian I've ever met knows that verse. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't say maybe. Doesn't say might be. Hopefully, you will be saved if you call on the name of Jesus Christ, if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But we forget what it says after that. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher, one who proclaims? And so, folks, we get the idea that it's, it's, it's Dr. Mercer's job to share the gospel. It's Brother Herb's job. It's Brother Rick's job. It's Brother Jim's job. It's Chris, it's Charlie, and I can go on and on. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God has given gifts to the church, apostles, evangelists, preachers, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry until we all come to the fullness of Christ. Folks, we're the equippers. You're the ministers. You're to go in the highways and the byways, and I can prove that scripturally. Yeah, you know, I always like to prove things scripturally. When the great persecution came on Jerusalem, it says the apostles stayed in Jerusalem but the church was scattered, and everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. And the first century church almost won their world. I told the first service, and it never ceases to amaze me, Jesus would do some miraculous miracle. And he turned and he says, shh, shh, 
don't tell anybody. My time is not yet. Shh. And they go blab their mouth all over. Almost got him stoned twice. You know, the three fastest communication beside the Internet, because, you know, <laughs> not everybody can use the Internet, but it's telephone, telegraph, and telebaptist. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> but then he says, it's finished. Go tell everyone. And we've clammed up. It's, a, it's like it's a secret. And we rub shoulders with people every day that we may not see the next day because they may not be here the next day. And we don't tell them about Christ. And we, because we, you know, Satan has fooled most of us. First of all, he tells you, well, they don't want to hear. hear. When have they ever wanted to hear? It doesn't say, you go out and be my witnesses, you have the ministry of reconciliation as long as people want to hear. It doesn't say that. But here's what I've discovered in 50-some years of going out faithfully. They may not want to hear as we start, but as, once we start, the Holy Spirit takes control and starts convicting. Uh, I, can, I can stand here and give you an example of an example. But let me just give you one. I was in Burlington, Texas, doing an evangelism conference several years ago. And I went out with a group, and I told them what they needed to do. And I don't know why they do this. Every time I go and do something in the church, they always give me the hard cases, and they always give me people who are the, 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 the most afraid. And that's fine, because I'm afraid too. But this time, they gave me the minister of music's wife and a gentleman who was a, just a sweetheart, but was legally blind. Had the stick and everything. So he became our prayer, and the, and the lady, I said, you think I'm going to do it? No, I do it all the time. You'll never learn unless you do it, but I'm going to be here to back you up. And so we went there. It's pouring down rain. We knocked on the door. She stood there, and she's, you know, hands shaking like that, and my hand was shaking like that. You know, no difference. And I never forget this. She forgot everything I told her. And so we're getting ready to this. I stepped forward because I told her I'd back her up. And I said, I, you know, because he said it was a bad time. His wife was upstairs bathing the, his little preschoolers. I said, okay. I said, well, can I leave this booklet with you, How to Have Eternal Life? He said, oh, yeah. I said, well, let me just share with the first page. And I just read the first page. And then he stopped me. He says, let me ask you a question. Are you asking me if I'm saved? I said, yeah, that's what I'm asking. He says, well, I'm not. I said, do you want to be? He says, yeah, I guess so. Shh, the Holy Spirit kicked in. And I'm getting rain down my back. I started reading the book to him, and he, invites, he finally invites us in. His wife's sitting on the steps. She's praying. I take him all the way through the gospel presentation. He prays and receives Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And here's what he tells me. And now he, now he doesn't want us to leave. It was a bad time before, but now he doesn't want us to leave. I can't get out of there. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm trapped. <laughs> I want to go because I'm tired. I've then been teaching and everything else. And he says, this is amazing. He says, this is my second marriage, and these are, I have these two young preschoolers, and my wife has been asking me to change my world. He says, I'm a very successful businessman. He didn't have to tell me that because I could tell that by, you know, the house he lived in. Either that or he had great debt, probably both. But he says, this morning, I finally made an appointment with my attorney for my company, and I went there, and, and I had a couple-hour meeting with him, and he kept saying, in the event of your death, in the event of your death, in the event of your death, he says, then you come and ask me, if you die, are you going to go to heaven? <laughs> Folks, that's what you call a divine appointment. Most Christians never have those divine appointments because we don't go out. We're not sharing. God wants you to have divine appointments. Every day, you miss divine appointments. And so... 
We need to be pleading with people to come to Christ. And then finally, you know, we have the privilege of sharing the gospel because of who we are in Christ. And the last new in your life is you have a new position. The Bible says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. We have a new position, a position of righteousness, a right standing before God. Because Christ died for our sins, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of him. Basically, my position and your position if you're in Christ is righteousness. It's like the North Star. It won't change. You all know the story of the Passover? Moses said, go out to the field, kill a lamb without spot, without blemish. Take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost. And when the judgment of God, the death angel come, every doorpost that has the blood on it will be passed over. Folks, that's what Christ has done for us. He has shed his blood. He's taken his righteousness and closed us in his righteousness. And he's taken our sin and put them on, on, on himself. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I may look like a frog, but I'm a prince. I'm part of the royal family. I'm a child of God. And I'm declared righteous, not because of what I've done or don't do, because of what Christ has done in me. And that's your position, too. Now, I wish my practice would match my position. You're looking at a man who several years ago graduated at the top of his class from traffic school. <laughs> now, before you laugh, when I went to that class, every person in that class was a member of this church. And when I got there, they wanted to know why I was there. And I said, I heard there was a crime wave going on over here, and I come to check on you. <laughs> and then the instructor said, have your seat over here, sir. So, But even in that sin that I committed in getting that ticket, folks, it is a sin if you get a ticket, you know, because you broke the law. Yeah, we think, it's, well, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. You broke the law. But my, even as I sat in that class, so I wouldn't get points on my insurance, I was still righteous. When I stand before God, when you stand before God, you never have to give an account for your sin. Your sin has been paid for in full. Your sin has been moved as far as east is from west. But this is what we miss. The Bible says we will have to give an account of what we've done with the gift of salvation that God's given us. And the thing that hurts my heart is so many of God's people, godly people, will stand before God without a single person that they've ever touched for Christ. That's sad. So let me encourage you, as we close, to remember your position. And as I complete my ministry here among you, let me beg you, let me encourage you, let me plead with you to fill your ministry of reconciliation that God has entrusted to you because you're Christ's ambassadors. And people are not going to come to know Jesus Christ unless you tell them. And let me share one more truth with you, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to be done. And I try and teach this to folks that come to my classes. Our problem is the reason people always think that it's going to be a, it's going to be a bad situation when you go and share, they're going to slam the door in your face. 
Folks, that don't happen. Well, you're not going to know enough. Well, that don't happen because the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to say. Just a little bit of training. And the only difference between those who win souls and those who don't is the ones who win souls have had some training. But here's what we do. We hear a great message, and I used to do it all the time when I was a brand new Christian. I hear a great message, and I hear spiritual truth, and I go out and I talk to my friends about these spiritual truths. And first thing you know, we're in a a discussion between what they believe and what I believe. And so what happens is that's when it gets to be a bad situation because we haven't heard what Jesus said. Jesus said, make disciples, then baptize them, and then teach them all the things that I've taught you. See, folks, we try to teach people who don't know Christ spiritual things, and they don't have the mind of Christ, so it's foolishness to them. The only thing they're going to understand because of the power of the Holy Spirit is the gospel. So we start with the gospel, we get them birthed into the kingdom, and then we grow them up. So let me encourage you. Now, it all starts knowing that you are in Christ. Some of you here may not be in Christ. You know, only God knows. For years, I shared the fact that I was a Christian. I believed that with all my heart. I was resting on a bat. I'd been baptized. I went to church. I prayed. I was taught the truth along with other stuff that was un- untrue. But I had the nucleus of the gospel, but I never put the dots together. It's like a marriage. You have to take a wedding vow to be married, and you have to take a vow to receive Jesus Christ to be a Christian. You have, to, you have to call on his name. And so if you're here today, and you don't know for absolutely certainty that you'd go to heaven if you died, I'm going to give this invitation. You come forward. We'll have ministers up here. We'll have people to talk with you. Just like I went forward in, 19, in November 13, 1966, and somebody talked to me, and in a front pew, I prayed to receive Christ, and it changed my life. So if you don't know absolutely that if you died this very minute, you go to heaven, don't worry about who's in here. Don't worry about the size of the building. You just come. Don't be concerned with people think. Be concerned with God things. Get it settled today. Now, if you're here and you're a Christian, and you say, Lord, I need a fresh filling of your spirit. I need to fulfill my ministry of reconciliation, and you want to come and pray, fill up this article. They did the, you know, this article. They did the first service. You just come and pray, and ask God to use you in the kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, as I close, I am going to close. <laughs> Believe it or not. There came a day I was sitting in church and a pastor preached a message and he did a call of evangelism. And I went down, knelt down, and I prayed. And I said, God, use me. Use me, bring others into the kingdom of God. And I went and got the training I needed and I started going out on visitation. And the rest is history. That's the invitation. I can't see your heart, but God can And so if you don't know for certain that you're in in the kingdom of God, I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it with me silently as I pray it out loud. And then as as Chris comes and leads us in music, you stand. If you need to come forward, you come forward. If you need to come to the altar and pray, you come to the altar and pray. Do what God is convicting your heart of today. Because this is the only moment like this that you're going to have. And it's going to come a day that you're not always going to have a preacher to preach to you. The Bible tells us that. So do what you need to do today. Let us pray. Father, I pray and I ask you, Father, to touch the hearts of those who need to be touched. Lord, we pray that if there's those here, which I believe there always are, 
that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today they'll, they'll receive you and they'll just pray this simple prayer. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me on the cross and he has the power of forgiving my sins. So Jesus, right now, I ask you to forgive me my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. I commit my life to you and I will follow you all the days of my life. Through the blessing of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Let's stand. And if you're going to come, now's the time to come. <laughs>